Welcome to the Landscaping Podcast. My name is Joel Barnett and I'm your host. And today's episode is the 39th of the Instagram Live Q&As that we've done. And this week's guest on the regular episode is Nadia Cole from Platylobium. And it's a cracker of an episode too. She's uh, a good example of how you don't have to rush into starting your own business. So she worked somewhere for 14 years before starting Platylobium. And it's going, she's going pretty well now. It's got a good, great reputation, doing nice design. So uh, yeah, it's a good episode and some real good examples of um, not having, having to rush into things and have some patience. Uh, but the first question is from Earth Escapes. Actually, before I read that one out, anyone who has any questions as we go along, chuck them in down at the bottom and I'll answer that uh, as we get to it. Uh, but Earth Escapes said, what are your favourite tools in your ute and what are your key materials to always have on you? Uh, so the key materials I always have on, uh, which I like when I put a new employee on, I always get them to have this uh, this setup right from day one because um, they're all vital pieces to to, uh, to use daily. And that is just simply having a tape measure, a pencil, and a standing knife. Uh, I've spoken about that standing knife that we use, which is just like a, a $3 UniPro one, an orange UniPro one. But um, yeah, it's surprising how often you surprise someone when you pull that out, that out of your pocket because they need to cut something. Or, um, but yeah, tape measure and a pencil sort of go without saying. But you'd be surprised how often someone doesn't have a tape measure with them. Um, in terms of favorite tools in the Ute, uh, there's not a. Uh, I carry around uh, a large assortment of little bits and pieces like different screwdrivers and Allen keys and irrigation. Uh, tools like cutters and clamps, as well as extra fittings, uh, all sorts of duct tape and masking tapes and string lines and all sorts of random little bits and pieces because that's what you need more of, I find, you know, when you don't have it. So it's almost like having your own toolbox in your ute, but it's just, uh, yeah, all little bits and pieces like that, so they're not particularly your common garden variety tools, but, um, yeah, there's nothing... Yeah, exciting, but just a lot of little, little one percent tools that that come in handy. Um, but yeah, the standing knife would be the number one of those, of those items. Uh, Barrow and Stone said, "Would you fight Jake Paul?" Yeah, I've been in two fights in my life. Uh, there's been two punches thrown in total and two concussions, and I've never thrown a punch. So, not not one of the world's greatest fighters, um, but I definitely would because. Should be able to cash in on that pretty well, I think. And an extra concussion, concussion shouldn't go too too bad. Might fix a few things. Uh, Mitch from Exotic Living Sydney said, "What do you think contributes most to building business credibility slash reputation in the industry, other than consistent projects? For example, awards, show gardens, TV shows, magazines." Now, I think the biggest thing that is going to uh, give you a good reputation is being a good person. Um, so just any interaction you have with someone, if they come out of that and think, oh, geez, Mitch was a great person, they're going to want to deal with you more and they'll you know, talk to other people about you as well. Like when your name comes up or your business name comes up, um, someone say that yeah, they might have seen you for whatever reason and they'll say, oh, no. yeah, I've spoken with him once he was an awesome guy, great to deal with. And it was also important to do those things just 
to do those things and not because you want to get work from it, but just be a good person for the sake of being a good person. Um, and yeah, it, yeah, just you don't want to be um, doing something just to get benefit out of it. So that's that's probably the key. But doing things like get uh, awards and show gardens uh, and TV shows and magazines don't necessarily help with your reputation because there's always sort of a grey area behind those things. Like with awards, it could depend on who judges the awards. TV shows, like some people um, get paid to be on there. Other people go on there for free just to get on there. So uh, magazines, again, you can pay to go a magazine. So you could be landscaping for one day into your career and you can put a job in a magazine. Um, look, there's other people, there's some people who don't realize those type of things. So there are benefits to them, but, um, but that's more the type of people who don't realize those type of, um, ways to get into that kind of media. They're not going to be like a long term prospect anyway. So, yeah, uh, so it does depend who you want that credibility and reputation to be to whether that's people within the industry or whether that's future clients or potential clients. Um, but, yeah, do it, like I said, doing good work but being a good person, which coincidentally every dealing I've had with Mitch, he's, he's an awesome person, so doing the right thing. Um, and I suppose if you are like that, like there's plenty of people who are awesome people but you don't, I don't know about them, so you do need to do those type of uh, things to get your name out there and give people the opportunity to see that you're a good person. So yeah, it's a tricky one. But also there's people who go on um, show gardens and TV shows uh, and they do nice work, but they're not good people. So, And they also might have a good reputation to the public, but not, not necessarily within the industry. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably the most important part. So there's plenty of people who do good work, but, um, yeah, you want to do both. Now, Cam from Abcam Horticulture said, what elements of landscaping do you enjoy working with most, i.e. paving, timber, plants, etc.? Uh, paving and timber would be the, the two up there, but, yeah, plants is also um, one of my favourites as well because that's usually when the project really starts to come to life, it's when the, the best part happens. Um, but if there was one thing within landscaping that I could do all the time, it would be paving because I love doing that. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot that that I can think of that I don't like doing unless it involves digging. So I've said it before and I'll say it a million times until I start having to do it, but excavation is the worst. And I actually think that is the only part about landscaping that I don't like doing. Like I'm happy to put soil in, so I'll barrow soil for days happy to do that but taking it out is not not on the uh list of preferences for me and cam also said uh personality passion and drive more important in an employee than skill initially absolutely it's a good question because it's an extremely important one that you need to think of when you're putting on employees um but you can teach someone to be a landscaper or garden maintenance or designer but you can't teach them to have work ethic or passion or drive for what they do. You might be able to teach a bit of passion if they, if you show them 
you know the type of things that you can create because our industry is quite a creative industry. Um, but you're not going to teach them the the work ethic, so that's a pretty important part of uh, of putting an employee on. And yeah, and skill that can take time to come anyway. So uh, I know I was useless at the start. Uh, one of my employees was useless in his first year and then turned into a gun. So um, yeah, but he was uh, a good person. And also, um, he wanted the job, so he had a passion for it. So he'd applied for it when I put a uh, an ad out previously. Didn't get that role, but then when he applied again, I saw that he'd rep- he'd applied previously. So he had the passion that he actually wanted to do landscaping. Um, and then, yeah, the um, yeah, that, and that's what an important part of what I've got in my team. They're all good people, um, and yeah, I've had other people who were good people but didn't have any skill so skill is an important part of it but that's not the the thing you look for first Zorba Dundee Gardens said what upgrade of vehicle or machine was most vital in the growth of your business I wonder if I bought an excavator if that would be the answer but I don't have one so I couldn't say that but that, that is that would be the machine I would buy first if I was going to buy one but uh, purchasing our truck has been the biggest, um, the most important part or most important investment in terms of uh, machinery or equipment. We're also not a big company. So, you know, saying in the growth of my business, we're still only three or four people in the team. So um, we're not massive, but the truck is a is a game changer. Like I've got uh, two trucks, uh, sorry, a truck and two utes, and I was thinking of selling uh, something to to help with some cash flow, and the truck is obviously the most valuable, but it's also what I use the most. So it comes in handy the most. So I was looking at trying to sell one of the other utes, but um, yeah, it's just so just the amount of different things you can do with it is mind blowing. In terms of like picking up pavers, if you're horrendous at organising, like I am, so I can drive up to and pick them up rather than getting them delivered. Um, say so with rocks and soil. So like, and also because we don't have a machine, we just barrow in a lot of soil, and rather than getting it delivered and then shoveling it off the ground, we'll just shovel it off the truck. So you're not actually picking up the soil; you're just pushing it off the side into the wheelbarrow. Um, so yeah, there's a million different reasons that truck is the is the key. Um, like with the gut when we're doing the garden show, we were just going up and back. Uh, well, particularly when we we're setting up, like we had everything all at the shed loaded up on the truck and took it up there so yeah definitely uh, definitely would be the truck and that one like some people have trucks that you can drive in a car license but ours isn't one i think it's an isuzu npr 60 no idea what any of that means but i think you can carry like 3.6 ton on there i think yeah if you're under two ton that's when you can have a car license but um but yeah we can get a couple of meters crush rock on there legally um there's a rumour that there's been eight tonne on there once before, but that, I don't know, that won't have been the total amount. That could have been four, who knows, but um, 3.6 tonne is the, the maximum for that. And Cameron said, what about your phone, Joel? I don't know if that was talking about the upgrade. But yeah, my phone's on it 
it's it's a valuable part of the uh part of the business but not 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 too high up there i wouldn't have thought i'm looking to upgrade at the moment actually but i don't know about getting the iphone 15 they don't have all that good reviews so i might just see if we can hold off a little bit on that uh, and steve nyland said what's the difference or similarities with how you teach your staff to how you were taught from your boss that is a great question uh i think yeah, it's such so long ago i can't remember but uh i was certainly given a lot i well, probably not in the first couple of years first three years but after that it was sort of a uh make it up as you go or not make it up as you go work out sort of by yourself uh, i was given a lot more uh leash if that's the right word so i've never had any plans on starting my own business but then um when the most experienced guy had left then i was the most experienced and i was doing a lot of organization and well not a lot but i was doing some organization and uh, doing things where i thought that i was almost running the on-site part of the business so that's when i realized that i could do it so decided to do it um but i think i think i do have done the same with my employees like early early days i was teaching them a lot um, and then as they get more experienced you sort of give them the opportunity to do things themselves and make mistakes uh, and it's not a conscious decision to do that it's just when you've got more staff on you can't all be on the one place at once so you've got to go off and do other things and do designs and just organize things so you're not always on site so that's when they have to yeah naturally work on their own and work things out for themselves um, but yeah it's a good question i'll have to do a bit more thinking on it and you know, see if i can come up with a better answer a local green bean said have you seen any landscape architects or designers using ai for designs i haven't yet and i reckon it's a bit early in that uh field i'm not sure how i've seen i think doing the presentations will be where it happens first so um like i saw adobe have got some ai tools that you can get as part of their suite so it'd just be you know using photoshop to try to make projects look better when you're doing 3d renders and that sort of thing or even just the 2d it's we use photoshop for that um so there's just there'd just be little things about you know uh what's the word like cutting out and then blending in sort of things to make things more look more realistic and it'll be so sort of more native and ai kind of ways of doing that um but yeah i reckon it'll be still be a couple of years before actual designers start using it because like vr has been around for quite a while and i've seen some designers start you know tinkering with that a little bit but it's still there's not yeah, less it'd be less than one percent of designers use that. So um, the technology is there, and there's people who start using it, but it's a completely different story uh, of when people start to use it in the commercial reality, in the commercial world, for working on real clients. Like it's all good and well to show examples of using it and learning to use it, but when it comes time to pay for it, that's a, a different kettle of fish. Because like not not everyone goes with three D designs, uh, not just because they're 
Well, part of the reasons is because they cost more than getting a design, uh, but not everyone needs to see that much detail. So it'll be the same with uh, with VR. And then yeah, who knows how expensive using AI tools are going to be. Um, you'd think they'd be affordable, but, yeah, who knows? It could whoever creates them will have the monopoly to start with so they can basically charge what they want and people will start will, there'll be some people who use it in the early days. Peter Donegan Garden Design said, Why is Peter so upset Ireland lost to the All Blacks? So he's talking about the Rugby World Cup that was this morning, early this morning. And so I, I sent him a message saying yeah, Ireland did well to get that close to the All Blacks because the last time I was watching rugby was the um, it was actually Australia and Ireland in the 2003 World Cup. I went to that game, and back then New Zealand were pretty good. And since then, I'm pretty sure they've been pretty good. So I thought New Zealand would have been around the number one team in the world. But then I looked at the rankings, and Ireland actually the number one team in the world. So that'd be why Peter Donning is upset about Ireland losing to the All Blacks because it's a chance for them to win the World Cup. Didn't see where what country it's in, so I've got no idea about that either. Uh, but I did know that Australia's all out of that. Also not looking at the cricket anyway either. Uh, Dan from Evergrow Landscapes said, how often would you communicate with a designer while building their garden? Uh, it varies based on the design and also the garden. We've worked with some designers who want to have a meeting every two weeks, but um, I've found yeah, there's times we've done designs and we didn't speak to the designer at all. And then there's times, yeah, it's just, it's, I would say 90, at least 90% of the time, we're only contacting them if we need to, if we've got a question about something. Because if they've done the design and the site is easy enough, like there's no changes on the site, then there's not really any reason, any reason to, to contact them. Um, and I'm not, I don't like meetings because time is money. And meetings don't make money. They can make a great project if you haven't, um, you know, dotted all the I's and crossed the T's, uh, or if there's changes. So there can be. So that's when it's good to communicate with the designer. But um, but yeah, I'd much much rather communicate when we need to communicate, and do it in a efficient way as well. Um. And the times, I've said this a couple of times, but I think it's an important point, so I like to repeat it. But the times when I do contact a designer, I'll because it'll be that I've got a question about something, so I'll go to them with a question but also with a suggestion to what I think the answer could be. So if you know, if they've drawn three steps and, we have to, and the three is going to be too big, I'll say, do you want to do four or do you want to ramp up to it or whatever, whatever solution I think is the best solution and so right because it's a lot easier for me to work things out while i'm on site rather than them rather than them sitting in their office so yeah and that's what i like my guys to do as well if they've got a question come to me with the question but also a solution of what they think the answer could be so it, it not only makes it easier for me or makes it easier for the designer but it also helps the person who's coming with that question start to get a better understanding of working things out for themselves um, so yeah, that's what I reckon about communication with the designers. So hopefully, not at all. Um, yeah, and I went with um, Bethany Williamson's ones. I reckon there'd be there might be one phone call every two or three projects because 
her designs are awesome really and i don't know how she does i don't know what she does on site beforehand but there's always really it's really accurate to the site so um yeah there's always things that change on site but and the girls are pretty good and then you don't need to don't have any questions for us so it works out pretty well uh, memes lobos said how do i get rid of bamboo please help i'm uh, not not the best person to ask for that because we don't do any maintenance of that regard but an excavator would come in handy that would be the best way to just dig it out as much as possible i assume it's a running bamboo and not a clumping bamboo because otherwise you could just dig it out and easy easy done i don't know how they go if you could spray with a poison or what the best option for that would be so but um yeah not a not a great answer for that one but um i had some uh textilis gracilis in my place and i just dug them out uh i think i used did i use an excavator i had an excavator in there i think i did yeah i used a little excavator we drove through a door so it was only a 0.7 ton excavator and i was able to dig them out with that and we dug them out of a, a job in ocean grove as well but we used a Vermeer for that. So if you can get machinery there, dig them out, that's the best way to do it. But, um, and yeah, and just if it's the running bamboo, dig out as much as you can. And then as soon as you see it coming up again, dig it out again. Um, because I don't know how they go getting poisoned. Ecology Landscapes said, hourly rate or quote, what's your thoughts? Oh, I hate doing hourly rate because, uh, I'm aware of what, uh, the stereotype of a tradesman is in some people's eyes where they, you, uh, everyone thinks that their tradesman is going to rip you off and take as much money as they can from you to, when they do your work. So, I don't, and also things take a lot longer than what I think. And I've been in the industry for 20 years. So, uh, and also the amount of times a client will say, yeah, there's a lot more work involved in that than I thought there was when you're doing something. So that's why I don't like to do hourly rate because it's going to cost the client more than what they think it will. Um, so yeah, I don't do any at all, like not none at all, but one percent, and they're only ever uh, variations added to a job limit already there. So I'd much rather quote. So not only do I know how long it's going to take and what it will cost, but the client knows what it's going to cost, so they can either go ahead with it or not. Um, because, yeah, I don't like having surprises for me or for the client. And it's not like, yeah, I'll definitely quote. Like there is, yeah, it's the high risk, high reward kind of thing if you quote. You could make money out of it, but you can also lose money. But um, but at least everyone, at least your client knows what's what's to be expected and you, you and your employees know what's going to happen as well. So. Um, it can also help with scheduling. So if you've worked out a quote, you can know how long you should take to do that and then keep track on that. And if I uh, keep track on how long it takes you to do it, so then you can either adjust the quote next time you do it or, um, yeah, move it up or down. And the last question for this evening is diverse exteriors said in regards to getting license would you chase work that requires a license or get licensed first that's a good question because most people start out unlicensed um 
and it does vary state per state. So I, I know in, I reckon South Australia is, seems to be the most difficult place to do work in terms of licensing because you've got to have a license for paving, a license for, yeah, all the, so it seems like all the different elements of landscaping you need a, a license for. Um, in Victoria, it's, yeah, it's a, like, I could talk about licensing for, for hours actually. Uh, Landscape Victoria had a good seminar. I haven't listened, watched it yet, but they had a fella, or I don't even know if it was a fella, but they had someone on talking about when you need to be licensed. So if you're uh, registered, if you're a member, sorry, of Landscape Victoria, you can watch that um, that uh, seminar. I think it goes for an hour. Uh, and if you're not, it'd be worth. Uh, and it, and if you like, if you're thinking of joining up or thinking of getting registered to be worth seeing if you can get your hands on that uh, webinar i'll be watching it even though i am licensed just to to see you know keep on top of things to see make sure that you uh, everything that you're saying is correct and current uh, but uh, i don't know if i said at the start of that answer but everyone sort of starts out doing work that maybe they shouldn't in the early days um, so I think I got my license maybe seven or eight years ago. But, um, yeah, and I've obviously been running the business longer than that. Uh, I remember when I was getting, when we were building decks, I was getting permits for them, but the building surveyor I used would make me get a, a letter signed by the client saying, like, it'd be an owner builder, but he'd get make me get a letter signed by them saying, that they're aware that even though it's an only builder, they still have to use a registered builder to build it. And they're aware that Install Gardens is not a registered builder. So it was really awkward getting them to sign that sometimes. Um, like everyone was always happy to do it because uh, once the permit was signed off, then uh, it was all legit. But once I did get my license, it was such a relief because you don't have to worry about anything like you do because you've still got to do things properly but it's um yeah it's a huge relief just knowing that you're doing things properly um in victoria the only time you need to be registered landscaper is when you're doing landscaping on a project when it's in conjunction with the building or renovation of a house or if there's a permit involved anywhere during the, the same work so if someone had been in their house for you know a few years and already done the landscaping, then they're going to be changing the landscaping only. If there's no permit, you don't need to be registered to do it, regardless of the price. So that's as far as I'm aware. Um, alleged, allegedly, just just to protect myself, but that's according to my reading of the the VBA rules and regulations. Um, but if you're thinking of getting a license, like if you're going to be in the industry for a long time, then I would just get it as soon as you possibly can. Because so, yeah, there's no no point you know waiting to get it for whatever reason because it takes a a bit fair bit of work and time to get it. So um, just take the plunge and and get it, and then do things legally, and then it also makes you more professional, and um, you start getting more work from uh, good designers who want to recommend people who are doing things properly. So. There's a whole lot more benefits to getting it than not. Now, that was the last question. Thank you very much for everyone who sent one in. Very much appreciated that we can keep doing that so I can keep uh, 
doing these Instagram lives because I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. So thank you for everyone who did send one in. And once again, it's Nadia Cole out at the moment. So, um, yeah, great episode with Nadia. And she's heading back. She was at the Garden Show this year and is also heading back next year. So looking forward to seeing that and the way she uses native plants is a pretty um, modern way to do it. So, yeah, love her style and uh, love that episode as well. So thank you very much again, everyone, and we'll see you next week.